0: This is the Retirement Lifestyle Advocates Radio Program. I am your host, Dennis Tubergen. Glad you decided to listen in today. Hey, joining me in segments two and three of today's program is returning guest, Dr. A. Gary Schilling. Uh, Gary is the editor and publisher of the very popular Insight newsletter. I'm going to get Gary's take on what's going on in the banking sector. I'll also get his forecast for stocks, bonds, and U.S. treasuries as well as the U.S. dollar. So you'll want to stay tuned for that conversation. I caught up with Gary this past week. And it is the month of March. Uh, It is your last opportunity to get a copy of the March 2023 special report titled Social Security Tax Reduction Strategies. Uh, The report talks about maximizing social security by potentially minimizing the taxes that you will pay on your Social Security benefits. And there are many ways to do that. They are discussed in the report. To get your copy of the report, all you need to do is visit the website, requestyourreport.com. The website, again, is requestyourreport.com. And when you request your report, I'll also send you a copy of the revenue sourcing book, as well as a bonus book, uh, the best-selling book, The Little Black Book on Social Security Maximization. So you'll get a box of resources absolutely free and without any further obligation to get your copy of the report, Social Security Tax Reduction Strategies, as well as the books. Visit requestyourreport.com. Let us know where to mail the information, and we will be very glad to do that. You know, the big headline over the past couple of weeks has been banking. Silicon Valley Bank, followed by Signature Bank, followed by First Republic Bank, along with Credit Suisse, are all banks that have made headlines because in one way, shape, or form, these banks uh, needed financial help to survive or to become solvent again or make depositors whole, depending on the story that we happen to be chatting about. Well, as I read... The banking headlines, and and as I read a number of articles and comments, I was reminded of what Henry Ford said about the banking system. Henry Ford, founder of the Ford Motor Company, had strong opinions about the banking system. He said this, it is well enough that people of the nation do not understand our banking and money system, for if they did, I believe there would be a revolution before tomorrow morning. Pretty interesting observation from a pretty bright guy. So what did he mean when he said, it's well enough that people do not understand our banking and money system, for if they did, I believe there would be a revolution before tomorrow morning. Well, we operate under a fractional reserve banking system, which means that if you go put money in your bank, your bank has to reserve a portion of that money. The minimum reserve right now is ten percent, and the other ninety percent, the bank can loan out. the The bank can invest. So, for example, if I go put a hundred thousand dollars in my bank to buy some type of an, a, a product, whether it's a CD or or whatever it might be, my banker, by law has to reserve 10% or $10,000, but the other $90,000 can be loaned out. So any bank, even a healthy bank, uh, could actually be suspect in the event there was a bank run, in the event there were too many depositors requesting that they get their money. Now, there is uh, some comments that I thought were interesting, and these comments were made by uh, a former chair of the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation. Uh, her name is Sheila Bear. Many of you probably remember that name. Ms. Baer appeared recently on Cavuto Coast to Coast and had some interesting comments. <clears throat> she said, quote, I think this is more of a Bear Stearns moment. I think a lot of people, including me, said when they bailed out Bear Stearns, they increased moral hazard. They created an expectation of further bailouts. And that is now, we know after the fact, exactly what is happening. The Fed is making all investors whole, even those with uh, deposits that were uninsured. Um, As many of you are probably aware, FDIC insures up to $250,000 in deposits per tax ID number, but anything over and above that is not insured By the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation. Well, both Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank had the vast majority of their deposits exceeding the insurance amount, and yet all the depositors are going to be made whole. So it's feeding into what Bear talks about in her interview that there's been an expectation of bailouts put in place. And again, that. Bailout expectation is being reinforced by the way the Silicon Valley Bank and the Signature Bank failures are being handled. Now, Bear said this, there's no doubt in my mind Lehman Brothers would have solved its own problems earlier on. It would have sold itself, raised more capital, all of the above. If they hadn't thought in the back of their minds, they wouldn't dare not bail us out. We're bigger than Bear Stearns. That's the problem. That's the expectation you create. Then you don't do a bailout and you really have the system seizing up as we saw when Lehman Brothers went into bankruptcy. Now, Bear, talking about the Signature Valley Bank and Signature Bank failures, said this, fear is not setting in, not rationality. And I think the problem was That they did bailouts of these two mid sized banks, very tiny parts of the overall system in the name of systemic risk. And that created a lot of uncertainty. Now, here's what Bear said that is absolutely spot on. She said the immediate problem posed by the situation in the banking system is this if people start to panic and take deposits out of a perfectly healthy bank, They're going to force that bank to close because banks do not reserve 100% of deposits. Many of you have probably seen the movie featuring Jimmy Stewart titled, It's a Wonderful Life. Bear used that as an example. She said, quote, it's the classic Jimmy Stewart problem. We deposit money into a bank. They lend it out. They invest it in securities. It's not all sitting in a vault. If you try to get all the money out at once, you're going to force the bank to unnecessarily fail. That's exactly the case. There is no bank, to my knowledge, that reserves 100% of deposits. In fact, when you look at the numbers for Silicon Valley Bank, uh, they were able to have more than 20%, pushing 25% liquidity by my math. Uh, They had requests for $42 billion in withdrawals on deposits of about $177 billion, and they only came up about a billion dollars short. So there's a bank that had a lot of liquidity, but really couldn't survive the bank run. And that is simply the way the banking system works. So now maybe you have a better understanding as to what Henry Ford meant when he said, quote, it is well enough the people of the nation do not understand our banking and money system. Or if they did, I believe there would be a revolution before tomorrow morning. Now, Bear does go on to talk about how she thought the problem should have been handled. She said, the government is trying to imply that all uninsured are protected, which they don't have legal authority to do. Again, the insurance limits are at $250,000. Frankly, This is putting pressure on community banks, she said. It is really troubling. She said she thought the better way to communicate would have been to handle these two bank failures with the regular FDIC process. Uninsured depositors would have gotten sizable dividends this week, she said. You have to remind people that there are deposit insurance limits. Remind people that some banks can and do fail. She said you have to be vigilant. And you have to leave it at that. So if you are listening to this segment of today's RLA radio program, what should you do? Well, number one, you should manage your deposits. If you're keeping a lot of money in any particular bank, it would be very prudent of you to, in my view, think about making sure that you are under the insurance limits at that particular bank. The other thing you can do as I'll talk about with Gary Schilling in the next segment is look at short-term US treasuries or other vehicles that you can also keep liquid or almost liquid cash in uh, where there is a reserve of 100%. Now there is some additional information that we will send you on the on this topic as well as the topic of retirement planning When you request the March 2023 special report, the March report is titled Social Security Tax Reduction Strategies. You can get a copy of the report by visiting requestyourreport.com. And when you request the report, I'll send you a copy of the revenue sourcing book as well as the little black book on social security maximization. The website, again, requestyourreport.com. Let us know where to mail that information and we'll be very glad to do so. I'll be back after these words with my special guest, Dr. A. Gary Schilling. Welcome back to RLA Radio. I'm your host, Dennis Tubergen. Joining me once again on today's program is returning guest, Dr. A. Gary Schilling. Gary is the editor-publisher of the very popular Insight newsletter. Uh, I would encourage you to learn more about that. And If you would like to learn more about the newsletter, you can visit agaryshilling.com. You can also call the number 888-346-7444. I'll give that number again in this segment. But uh, Gary, uh, as we noted before we started recording, uh, certainly not dull times in which we live. Welcome back to the program.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's what keeps guys like me and you in business, Dennis. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously, if everything were going smoothly, who would need uh, uh, astute commentators like you and Forecasters like me, but uh, there's there's plenty there's plenty going on right now, and, and obviously we're looking at a, a huge problem in the banking area. And the real question, of course, is uh, first of all how how far it's going to spread. Uh, secondly, what regulators are going to do to try to continue to arrest it. But more importantly, what are the ultimate effects on Investor behavior, investing, consumer spending, and the economy.
0: So, Gary, let's 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 dig into that because we had Silicon Valley Bank followed by Signature Bank followed by First Republic followed by Credit Suisse. Um, where is this going to end in your view? I mean, is this is this a problem that runs extremely deep in the banking sector?
1: Yes, I I I think it does. Uh you know, it had its origin uh, after 2008 the financial crisis, the Fed engineered low interest rates and that reflected low inflation for a number of years really up till the pandemic hit in 2020. And uh during that time, uh the Fed was flooding the economy with money, other central banks the same. We also had the bailout money uh, coming in relation to the pandemic. And all this money really floated around. It went into two areas uh, in this country. Principally one was single-family housing, particularly as people fled big city uh, apartments during the, uh, during the pandemic and went to suburbia and rural areas. Uh, but also, of course, it went into huge speculations and and uh, you know the money was so readily available uh, venture capital was was uh, was surging and and of course this led to tremendous growth in bank deposits uh it dulled any sense of worry about bank deposits over the $250,000 uh FDIC limit on insurance uh, and it and it led to a very very relaxed attitude where in effect uh, depositors who held more than uh, who had deposited more than that uh, FDIC limit really didn't seem to care uh so we had a situation which was very very conducive to uh to to speculation and of course there was plenty of that silicon valley was sort of the, the center of this uh, with all the venture capital operations and so on uh but the whole thing was just wonderful until about a year ago, when the Federal Reserve started raising rates, and boy, that was <laughs> that was a, a dramatic 180 degree shift.
0: So, Gary, I was uh, you know kind of following uh, what what happened. I'm, I'm pr- probably not to the same extent you were, but it seems to me that you know th- this is a problem that at least indirectly, uh, partially, was created by the Fed with these artificially low interest rates and all this quantitative easing. And now the Fed is, uh, you know, by 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 trying to make all these depositors whole. To this point, as I understand it, they're 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 kind of trying to solve a problem that maybe they had a hand in creating. Would you say that there's some validity to that statement?
1: Oh, I th- I think there is. I think there is. And uh, of course, these guys are mere mortals, and they aren't uh, inherently any uh, better forecasters than you and I are. Uh, at least, not in my view. And and so. Uh, so you do have uh, reactions to current situations, which don't always reflect uh, what is unfolding. And of course, none of us can foresee the future with any great perfection. Uh, but I, I think it's it's fair to say that the Fed was was in retrospect at least overly overly accommodative. And and uh, and even more important, you, you know, the Federal Reserve you got the the uh, credit. Operations there, which we principally uh, think about, but also the regulatory operations. And it's in the Fed, it's in the states, it's in the FDIC, and so on. And the regulators, and I'm just writing our our insight for uh, for next month. But regulators were really asleep at the switch on this one. Uh, they 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 had all the red flags for Silicon Valley Bank back in 2019. They uh, they raised concerns, but they never re, uh forced any actions uh, The rating agencies uh they were asleep of the switch as well they were right up to the end with with uh uh with these uh with these bad banks uh uh silicon Valley bank uh, signature bank uh, they were rating them as investment grade their their securities and so you really had a, a pretty much universal uh euphoria here. And very little uh, analytical concern, and, and of course, ultimately you say, you know, who who's gonna who's gonna be who's gonna be uh, looking over this? Um, I guess a lot of it really depends on on individual investors and institutions, and they can't really rely on regulators or or monetary authorities or anybody else in a uh, in a government or quasi-government position to do the job for them. Now, of course, that's pretty hard because everybody gets swept on You wouldn't have bubbles if you didn't have a lot of true believers. If everybody were as skeptical as as I am, and I think you are at times, uh, you wouldn't have the bubbles to begin with. Uh, but but uh, so it's it's tough to fight it's tough to fight the crowd crowd. But that's when it's important to do so.
0: Well, if you're just tuning in, I am chatting today with Dr. A. Gary Schilling. He is the publisher of the Insight Newsletter which is a very extensive publication every month. You can learn more about Gary's work by visiting com or calling his office at 888-346-7444. Uh, Gary, I, I found it, uh, I'll just say, interesting that the co-author of the Dodd-Frank Act, Barney Frank, actually helped <laughs> the board of directors of, of, of Signature Bank, and, and I don't know if the, there's anything to that, but i just like your comment if you have one.
1: Well, yeah, it, it, it's pretty common that Washington is a revolving door, that these people who have positions in Washington, uh, and they're not particularly well paid there, but then they go out into the private sector and really clean up. Barney Frank, uh, since 2014, when he went on that board, has been paid $2.4 million, Uh, and and, uh, he was a very strong advocate, uh, not surprisingly, of easing the limitations on smaller banks. uh, As a result of his... Pushing and others, they increased the limit uh, of banks that require special supervision from 50 million in assets to 250 million in assets. Now that that opened for Signature Bank and and uh, uh, Silicon Valley Bank, and so that that really put them in the uh, in the pass zone, uh, no no real serious supervision. And so yeah, oh, uh, Barney Frank got his got his share of the loot. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, let me just for, for our listeners, as as we've got about four minutes left in this segment, you know, many of our listeners are, are concerned about their bank. They're concerned about, you know, is this going to spread? Uh, am I going to be affected? Uh, what what would you say to people that have those thoughts in their mind uh, listening to this program today?
1: Well, I, I think they're legitimate concerns. Now, uh, you've you've already had uh, Signature Bank and Silicon Valley Bank. Uh, deposits, regardless of size, basically guaranteed. Uh, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen has basically said that you know they they may have to step in with others. Uh, I don't think that that's a serious risk, but you do have uh, you do have uncertainty. Uh, you do have uh, rigidities of the system. The problem of of uh, moving money around, particularly if things get tight, and I can tell you what what we're doing in in uh, my own personal funds uh, our company uh, and we manage money the the excess cash there uh, we're putting it into into treasury bills uh and uh, and other safe uh short term uh, uh, areas i just why well, take unnecessary risk uh, i don't think you're getting paid for that and leaving money uh, in in banks uh, over over 250,000 or whatever an institution needs for working balances, uh, I, I just don't see any reason to do it. And I think for individuals, uh, you know, unless you really love the bank and the bank bankers love you, uh, why take unnecessary risks?
0: Well, Gary, uh, we do have a, a couple more minutes in this segment. So uh, let me go back, and if we need to carry it over on the other side here, we can. But you had mentioned that, uh, you know, a lot of these funds really went into the single-family housing market. Can you talk a little bit about what your forecast is moving ahead for housing?
1: Well, housing is very sensitive to interest rates, and that's because it's so highly leveraged. You think about it, if somebody gets a, uh, a uh, FHA-guaranteed uh, loan, uh, puts down 3%, that's a 33 uh, times leverage. And it means that any fluctuations in rates can make a huge difference can wipe out their their capital uh and certainly can discourage people who uh, don't have a lot of excess money from uh from uh going out and 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 buying houses incurring new manager uh, mortgages you also have a lot of people who had uh Low mortgages from earlier, you know, 4% or less. Well, they were at 7%, they're back to 6%, a 30 year fixed mortgage, but they're locked in. So you have a situation in housing which may be stabilizing now, but at, at very low levels. And, and uh, it, it's hard to see the circumstances, particularly given the Fed's uh, pretty much. Uh, pretty much guarantee that they're going to continue to raise interest rates. They are absolutely determined to kill inflation, to knock it down to their 2% target. Uh, and and uh, that, that process is far from completed. So I think housing is going to continue to be under a cloud.
0: Well, I'm chatting today with Dr. A. Gary Schilling. He is the publisher of the newsletter Insight. You can learn more about his work by visiting the website agaryshilling.com. You can also call his office to learn more about Insight. That number is 888-346-7444. I'll return after these words with my special guest, Dr. A. Gary Schilling. Welcome back to RLA Radio. I'm your host, Dennis Tubergen, and I'm chatting today once again with returning guest, Dr. A. Gary Schilling. If you're just tuning in, uh, Dr. Schilling is the publisher of the Insight newsletter. You can learn more at agaryshilling.com. You can also call his office, 888-346-7444, and I'll give that number again uh, in this segment. So, uh, Gary, prior to the the, the break, you had mentioned that uh, you believe the Fed is going to be resolute in uh, continuing to raise interest rates until uh, inflation is tamed or brought under control. Uh, How much further do you think the Fed needs to go? How high do you see interest rates getting?
1: Oh gosh, uh, uh, you know they're they're in a four and a half, four seventy-five uh, percent range on the federal funds rate, which is their policy rate, and uh, I've you know they they're they're now more talking about uh, twenty-five basis points, quarter of a percentage point increases, rather than the fifty or seventy-five uh, basis point jumps they had earlier, but. I think you could see uh, another 100 to 200 basis point increases, in other words, one or two percentage points, uh, because the Fed is absolutely determined they're going to kill inflation and kill it dead. And they made it clear they don't care what happens to the economy. Well, they do care, but they are willing to see a recession if that's what it takes to get inflation down. That's their primary concern, and it's uh, damn the torpedoes full speed ahead.
0: So, so Gary, it seems then that, uh, would it be correct to say that your view is that a recession is imminent, that we're going to see recession in 2023?
1: Yeah, we may already be in one, Dennis. Now, you never know that until way after it starts. Uh, no administration would ever want to be in the business of declaring uh, the peak in business and onset of recessions. So it's left to a, a private organization called the National Bureau of Economic Research. This is the outfit that first... Uh, studied business cycles uh, extensively going back in the 1930s, and they're the ones that, that date it. Now, they uh, they do not call the top until they get all kinds of information and are convinced. They never change their, their calls, so they want to make sure, and they're waiting for delayed data, revisions, and everything else. And it's usually well into recession, and sometimes even after the end of a if it's a short recession, before they tell you where the top was. Well, that's kind of about as handy as a pocket in your underwear. So, so <laughs> from an investment standpoint, so you got to look at other things. You look at things like stock market, you look at consumer sentiment, do orders for durable goods, uh, in this case, the banking crisis. And so you look for things like that and And I'm convinced that we're if we're not in a recession, we're certainly close to its onset, and it'll probably run uh you know the balance of this year and into next year. I think it's going to be drawn out for two reasons: one is the Fed wants to make sure that they've done the job in the last four uh cycles they actually uh, shifted from credit restraint to ease before the peak in business they saw they 'd done the recessionary deed they backed off this time i don 't think they 're going to back off prematurely because they are so concerned about killing inflation the other The other uh, delaying factor is layoffs uh, layoffs occur when when obviously when Business sales and profits decline, and they already are in that mode. Uh, but a lot of businesses are going to be very reluctant to lay people off when they've spent so much time in the last year or so hiring them. Uh, to get that mindset shifted 180 degrees takes, takes time and, and real conviction. So I think you're going to have a delay in layoffs. So between the Fed delay and layoff delay, I think the recession will be stretching out and probably extend into next year.
0: Gary, I was reading, uh, I believe it was yesterday, that uh, credit card debt in the United States has now topped a trillion dollars for the first time. Um, at the same time, it seems that uh, retail numbers are down three out of the last four months. Uh, it seems like those two statistics are a bit at odds with each other. Uh, how would you reconcile those if you agree with uh, with, with that assessment?
1: Well, uh, consumers, if you look at, at uh, retail sales, and subtract inflation and say what what's happening to real retail sales what's happening to physical uh, goods that they're buying they actually have been uh, declining you had a you had a a, a burst in in January uh, backed off in February uh, but i think consumers have been uh, generally cautious and uh, and of course the fact that they are increasing their uh, credit card debt uh, delinquencies rising increasing auto loans it suggests that people are uh, that people are are pinched and they don't have as much money as they had earlier. And they had a lot of money earlier from the bailout money uh, after the pandemic. Uh, but I I think the consumers are 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 really scared, and their and their their sentiment is declining. And if you put on top of that this banking situation, you know, and I think a lot of people are going to be a lot more cautious, a lot more concerned about. The safety of their of their money, and they say, "Well, I, you know, I've got a bank deposit I can fall back on." But if they have any concern that it may not be there, now that's regardless of whether it's going to be guaranteed uh, by the Fed and FDIC and so on. But if they have concerns, it can it certainly can reflect their uh, their financial decisions and spending plans.
0: Well I'm chatting today with Dr. A Gary Schilling. He is the publisher of Insight Newsletter. You can learn more about his work at com. You could also call his office at 888-346-7444 to learn more. So Gary with with debt levels rising, uh you, you know I think uh I don't remember the year but you wrote a book about uh the age of deleveraging and apo- I apologize if I don't have the title exactly right but a um, so long it's, title. You know, it's <laughs> It seems like this whole deleveraging process, you know, this this getting debt purged from the system, that you know, because of the Fed policy, it seems like this problem maybe has uh, uh, been exacerbated, and, and this whole process is going to be more painful than maybe it otherwise would have been. Uh, is that a problem? yeah?
1: I, I yeah, I think that's I think that's true. I mean, these things come in cycles. I think we are in a longer term uh, deleveraging process, but you've had you've had recently. Uh, uh, a, a lot of spending really financed by the federal reserve rjosh and and the uh, and the bailout money but i don't think that changes the the overall trend and you know i think people are 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 being more cautious you also have other factors demographics uh aging population uh, people age, they tend to save more, spend less they don't need to buy as many cars and baby equipment, and so on and so forth uh, so I think you've got a lot of factors that suggest longer term that consumers are are going to be more cautious and, and they're going to be saving more of their money and as I say this, this banking crisis I think is a strong encouragement for people to save uh because they much less much less uh future is going to be predictable and
0: favorable. Well, Gary, the time we have left, uh, you know, if you expect the Fed's going to stay the course and continue to increase interest rates uh, for someone that has money in a 401k or an IRA and they, they're, they're in traditional investment classes like stock funds and bond funds. Uh, let's start with bond funds. Uh, that certainly can't be good news for those investors. Well,
1: uh, yes and no, Dennis. Because uh, you know bonds were certainly beaten up last year, but but starting uh, last October, uh, bond prices—and uh, I'm I'm talking about Treasuries. My concern is about Treasuries because there you don't have a, <clears throat> the credit risk, um, and 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 they have actually rallied on balance since, then. prices have have gone up. And and why is that? Well, yeah, okay, the Fed is tightening, but. On the other side is the uh, idea of a recession, which knocks down credit demand, uh, makes treasuries more attractive, and also the safe haven aspect. And that's that's very important in terms of treasuries on a global basis. So um, I I think uh, and I say our our investment themes and anybody that looks at our insight can see that. And by the way, let me say our investment themes. Uh, we did a we did a, a, a compilation of our investment strategies which we first published there in um in ten months ago uh in in May of last year and and up through February uh they had an increase of eight point six percent that portfolio equally weighted uh, all of those all of those themes. And in relation, of course, you've had substantial declines in stocks and and other more speculative areas, but anyway, uh, I think Treasuries. Uh, but we're still we're still uh, very uh, negative on on uh, on stocks in general. Uh, I think they're further to go down. Uh, we had predicted a forty percent decline, peak to trough. We're down about twenty percent, so we've got another half of that to go. And I think weak earnings are going to be the primary driver, as well as further Fed restraint. Um, I think the dollar is is a safe haven. Uh, you know th- things like uh, things like uh, uh, housing still under a cloud. Uh, growth stocks they're dependent on on uh, earnings way out and the discounted present value. Uh, and the higher the interest rates, the less that current price and value is. So there are a number of things that let's say we we spell out there every month. But uh, I I think you're still very much in a uh, a cautious investment strategy mode. At least that's our view.
0: So, Gary, uh, just to finish up on the topic of stocks, it seems that when you do have a a bottom in the market that you have a lot of investors, you know, throwing in the towel saying, I'm never going to buy stocks again. I can't believe I was ever that crazy. And and we don't seem to be there yet. It seems that we still have this buy the dip mentality, um, which which a lot of times, you know, from just the people I've interviewed and the research I've done means that there's more downside. Uh, Is there some some validity to that in your view?
1: Yeah, the way I put that graphically is we we haven't reached the poke point. <laughs> the poke point is when people want to regurgitate their last equity and swear they'll never buy another one. And that's what you need for a, a good bottom, which you're which you uh, are uh, just articulated. You know, words, you need to run out of sellers, you need to get the last uh seller who can be shaken out and then you're faced with nothing but potential buyers. And that's what makes good bottoms and and uh, I'm 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 uh, I'm very much in that camp that we're not we're not there yet. Um I think we will get there, but you you've had all the way all the way uh, uh up in terms of interest rates uh, in the last year. Uh, the Fed has been raising rates. They've been saying we're going to really kill inflation. And investors periodically say, oh, no, the Fed is almost through. They're not going to raise rates for their stocks rally. And then Chairman Powell and other Fed officials come in and, and really say, uh-uh, that's not our intention. And it's it's been a sawtooth pattern along a declining trend in stocks. But uh, investors, yeah, that's I share that view. Investors are not yet convinced that, uh, that the whole thing is over, and, and we do need uh, evidence of a nice, well-defined puke point.
0: <laughs> well, on that note, Dr. Schilling, the clock tells me we are out of time, but uh, my guest today has been Dr. A. Gary Schilling. He's the publisher of Insight. His website is agaryschilling.com. The phone number to learn more about Insight is 888-346-7444. Gary, always a pleasure to catch up with you. I get terrific feedback when you're on the program, and I uh, do sincerely enjoy our conversations and your perspectives, so thank you for joining us.
1: I do, too, Dennis. Look forward to the next
0: one. Thank you. We will be back after these words. I'm Dennis Tubergen. You are listening to the Retirement Lifestyle Advocates Radio Program, and thanks again to my special guest today, Dr. A. Gary Schilling. For joining us on today's program, I always appreciate uh, Dr. Schilling's perspective. If you are just tuning in, I have available for you a March 2023 special report. It is titled Social Security Tax Reduction Strategies. I'd be glad to send you a copy of the report absolutely free and with no further obligation. To get your copy of the report, just visit requestyourreport.com, the website again, requestyourreport.com. And when you go to that website, you'll just let us know where you would like that report sent. And when you do that, we'll also send you a copy of the best-selling revenue sourcing book that contains a retirement planning strategy for today's economy. You'll also get a copy of the little black book on social security maximization. To get all that information, just visit the website, requestyourreport.com. One of the topics that I have been talking about on the program is the massive amount of debt that exists not only at the federal government level, nearly $32 trillion now, but also in the private sector. And as private sector debt builds, I believe that's an indication uh, that many are getting a bit pinched to use a term that Dr. Schilling used in the last segment. They're resorting to taking on debt to meet living expenses. Now, just last week, credit card debt in the United States passed $1 trillion. Now, there is an article that was published on ABC News that talks about this. I'm gonna give you just a bit about this, or a bit on the article. The article said, U.S. consumers' total credit card debt exceeded $1 trillion for the first time That's according to a new study by the personal finance website, WalletHub. Consumers took on an additional $92.2 billion in debt last year. Almost $100 billion in debt. That's the highest single-year amount going all the way back to 2007. The average household in the United States now owes $8,600 on credit cards. Now, Jill Gonzalez is the senior analyst at WalletHub, and she is quoted in the article as saying this, we haven't seen anything like this. Consumer confidence is at its highest point. Since the recession, people have been saving up for houses, cars, new furniture, and appliances, which often get charged on credit cards. Now, Ms. Gonzalez is certainly entitled to her opinion. And perhaps her opinion is well-founded and well-researched, but in my humble opinion, that argument is nonsensical. If people have been saving up for houses, cars, new furniture and appliances, wouldn't these same consumers be using their accumulated savings to pay off the credit cards after they made the purchase? I mean, if I had saved up for a new piece of furniture, And I went and charged you on a credit card. When the credit card bill came, I would take my accumulated savings and I would pay off the credit card. I wouldn't keep that balance on a credit card. But that is not what is happening. Credit card debt is the highest that it has ever been. And Americans are carrying an ever-increasing balance on their credit cards. Now, in my mind, there is only one reasonable conclusion that one can come to. Americans are using available credit on their credit cards to make ends meet. They're feeling the pinch of inflation. Now, to validate my opinion, I did some research, and and I looked at just retail sales numbers. So certainly, if people have been using their savings to buy cars, furniture, and appliances, that should be reflected in the retail sales numbers. It is not. Let me give you a bit from a MarketWatch article from last week. Sales at retailers fell 0.4% in February and declined for the third time in four months, pointing to a slowdown in consumer spending as higher interest rates take a bite out of the U.S. economic growth. So if what Ms. Gonzalez said was actually true, if people since the pandemic had been Saving feverishly to buy new furniture, new appliances, new cars, wouldn't retail sales reflect that? But they're not. We are now seeing retail spending slow. So, what does that tell us about what consumers are using their credit cards for? They're using their credit cards to exist, they're using their credit cards to close the gap because, in an inflationary environment, real wages have been declining. So I believe, as does my guest on today's program, that we are headed uh, to recession. I believe that uh, we may already be in recession. I have felt that for all of last year. So how do you cope? How do you plan for retirement? Well, to that end, I'd like to invite you to get our March resources. I've got a report titled Social Security Tax Reduction Strategies You Can Get. Uh, visit the website requestyourreport.com and I'll send you the report. I'll send you a copy of the revenue sourcing book that contains a retirement planning strategy for today's economy and allocation strategy for today's economy. And I'll also send you a bonus book titled The Little Black Book on Social Security Maximization. If you're listening to this today and uh, you haven't figured out how you are going to get your income during retirement, if you haven't figured out how you want to collect your Social Security, these resources, I believe, will be very valuable to you, at least, at the very least, it will offer you another opinion. So again, requestyourreport.com is where you go to request all that information. That's all the time I have for today. I'll be back again next week. Have a terrific week.